Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Science of Sports podcast with Professor Ross Tucker and sports journalist Mike Finch. Coming up. I end up dealing with people with fad dieting and I have to correct that. Being deliberate and mindful and sensible, which involves thought, crosses over into becoming disordered because it involves compulsion. Basic guidelines are we've got to eat breakfast. It's a really, it's a choice between obsessive or guilty. So welcome to another episode of the Science of Sport podcast, or the Real Science of Sport podcast. Um, As you know, we've been uh, on a bit of a flyer over the last couple of weeks. We've had uh, two podcasts quite close to each other, and uh, we're committed now, thanks to our Patreon uh, supporters, that we're going to be putting out much more regular podcasts throughout this year of 2021, after a bit of a dodgy start to the year in terms of our frequency. So Ross, I know that we're very committed to doing that. Yes, and happy 40th. Yes, it's our 40th episode today. Can you believe it? Mm -hmm. And I think we've had just on a million listens in the last uh, sort of (laughs) two years oddish, something like that. So thank you to all of you that have supported us and listened to us, most importantly. Um, as you know, you can, of course, engage with us on our Twitter feed, which is Sports SciPod. And, of course, Ross Tucker is on uh, Twitter and very active on Twitter. Myself uh, as well, not quite as active as Ross. He's got uh, lots of things to say on Twitter. But uh, if you have any opinions about some of the podcasts you've listened to, including the one that we're doing now, then uh, please feel free to share those thoughts on Twitter. And uh, we'll engage with you, I'm pretty sure, if it's controversial or you either you agree with us and tell us that you think the pod's awesome. We also like to get some uh, good feedback as well. So on to the subject of today's podcast, and we have a very special guest with us today, Kim Hoffman, who's a BSc in Medical Honours in Dietetics and also a uh, Honours Degree in uh, Psychology. And the reason why we invited Kim on the podcast today is that was we are looking specifically at the psychology of food rather than what's on our plate at night, even though they're very closely combined. And Kim, in the stuff that I read about you, one of the things that you talk a lot about is this idea around fad diets and of course fad diets at the moment are all the rage you know you speak to anybody somebody's either banting or no gluten or all sorts of weird things we've done stories in runners ward and basking about these sort of things i mean it sounds like something that you're really quite passionately against completely yes um yeah so fad dieting is if you go on a specific diet that someone has created and said that this is the answer to whatever you're searching um and they normally don't fit in with our lifestyles they don't fit in with your body's physiology and they tend to do so much harm long term that i'm terribly anti them they mess up our psychology around eating and I end up dealing with people with fad dieting and I have to correct that and get them to become more intuitive about their eating again. <laughs> the the so. trouble is, though, <laughs> that they don't know it's a fad diet. That's the paradox. 
The guy's well, not saying, yeah. I've just started this new fad diet. He doesn't think that. He thinks I've just started this revolutionary diet that's going to change my life and yours because yes. now you should listen to me. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's always um, yeah. advertised in a way yeah. that this is the answer. This yeah. is the best. This will be the right thing for you. So right. this is the problem. People can advertise beautifully and yeah. the website, you can put anything up there. So the, the, the reality of fad diets is that they do have some limited success, as, as we know. I mean, if you go on a banting diet, you will largely lose weight because you're essentially cutting calories. Absolutely. So, so this is work. the problem with bad diets is they, they do work short term. Absolutely. If you stick to them properly. Um, so yes, if you cut your, and that's the bottom line with all of them is you tend to eat less, you're a bit, a bit more careful about what you're eating. And so most people do lose weight. However, um, the when you've been fad dieting a lot and you go from one diet to the next to the next and you're weight cycling, after a while, it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And so that's when I see these people and going, I've tried, I've tried. I know they're not the answer anymore. Um, and yeah. then they want to learn how to get it right. But then you have to do years, undo years of bad physiology and correct their body. And so I often don't get great weight results initially. I get feeling great results. Mm -hmm. But people have got to be patient with weight if they... Um, are wanting to lose it, and especially if they've done a lot of um, eating that goes against the physiology. Yeah, because your body is just not, it's not a case of just always cutting calories. And I think that's what people talk about. Yes. You know, you just reduce the amount you eat, you're going to lose weight, not necessarily because body types differ and the way that your body uses energy differs, I guess, to some extent. 100%. So, yeah. but it's, it sounds logic to people. Eat less, lose weight. That sounds logic. Okay, yeah. so I'm going to eat less. And then it's not working. Okay, I've got to eat even less. Yeah. But what we're not realizing is the metabolism's um, logic is not that. The metabolism is, I need this much energy to run your body. If you give me less than that, I will just learn to use less and you will not feel as good. Yeah. So you'll feel tired, lethargic, can't concentrate as well, can't do anything as well. And so the metabolism or the amount of energy the body uses just gets less and less and less. And that's why it takes a long time to get that up again, get that metabolism firing again and get mm. the body to work at its best again. And that's why Weight loss becomes very difficult when you've mm. done a lot of calorie-restrictive diets. Yeah. Now, one of the reasons why we brought you in uh, on one of your um, bios that I've, and there's a lot of them online, actually. There's quite <laughs> a few places you can find a bio. You said, my passion lies in combining my psychological studies with nutrition and food, which is what we've touched on a bit now. Also, more importantly, you work as one of a, a group of specialists for South Africa's biggest gym group here in South Africa, Virgin Active. Um, so an area that you're obviously focusing on is people that are healthy, presumably healthy, who need help with their diets. Is there a correlation between people who are fit and healthy and doing active stuff and the way that they eat? In other words, are they better or worse eaters than people who don't do any exercise? Um, it's actually n not particularly evident like that. Um, I get people that eat extremely well but don't exercise. I get people that exercise a lot and either eat well because of it or eat badly because they think they can now eat far more. Mm. So it, it, I, I haven't seen a, a, a direct correlation with that mm. at all. Because no. I think often the the the... the 
the understanding is that a lot of people I know, if they exercise, they feel they can eat badly. So they do an hour in the gym or they do their cardio, but then they go and you know have a burger and chips afterwards because I earned because it or I, I have the ate, I, I, I yeah. exercise to eat that. So you get that group and you get the group that I worked so hard, I don't want to undo it with bad yes. eating. So you get yeah. both. But I think, I think important with this as well is that like we do fad dieting, people also fad exercise. Um, where they um, know they should be exercising, but they're not because it's not fitting into their busy lifestyle. Then they want to lose weight, so they start exercising, but they go overboard. So expect seven days a week from themselves, an hour at a time. Uh, where that's not realistic if you don't have much time. And so they go overboard, underboard, and then they stop yeah. again because it's not feasible and, and they're not losing weight ultimately. And unfortunately, when people see that there's no weight loss, they lose all interest in healthy eating and healthy uh, exercise movement. So um, similarly with getting people to have a moderation balanced idea around food, I, also, I feel like they also need that balanced moderation um, idea around exercise where just do two, three hours a week yeah. if that's all you can do, but consistently do that. So I think the, the fad is coming through in both ways. And that's why I can't answer those people mm. that exercise very well. Um, those people that probably are very good exercisers and exercise consistently probably do eat better, but tend much more towards the disordered eating okay. side. Well, we're going to touch on various aspects mm. of what you just talked about in terms of the psychology of people who are fad diets. But let's kind of take a step back and look at one of the things we're focusing on. This mm. is disordered eating. In other words, mm -hmm. bad eating habits. Can you kind of define what disordered eating means? Okay. So the way to disordered eating is if we're, if we're looking at eating and we're not making it about what the body needs anymore. So we are now putting our head into the game and saying, I read this is best. Therefore, that must just fit into my day, into my body. And they stop listening to what their body is actually telling them. And they go according to what they think is right. So one of the things I teach people is get out of your head when it comes to food. Listen to what your body's asking for. If your body's hungry, feed it. If it's satisfied, stop eating. Um, if you feel like this type of food, eat a bit. You know, it's listen to what the body is saying, what the body is needing, rather than what you think is right about food. So maybe looking at some of the signs of disordered eating will give us a better idea of what it is. So if you go on diets very often, um, <laughs> or if you have very strange ideas around food, like I can't eat this food, otherwise I'm going to get fat, or I must skip meals, I must get overly hungry to lose weight. That's disordered eating. If you um, over eat or under eat or over exercise, so you don't know moderation anymore and you, you um, get very compulsive about it, both, that's disordered eating. If, you weight, um, if your weight fluctuates greatly, either way, then that is disordered eating. Sure. Um, so it's there's a couple of signs where we can see it's it's not you're not you're not thinking naturally around food anymore. You're not relaxed around food. You you don't know that intuitiveness as to why to eat. Um, yeah. You've you've lost that. Um, then that is sort of where the disorder lies. So people are listening to this and they're going, 
Crikey, that's me, right? No, in fact, if, you, if, you're, listening, up. if, you, if you're listening to this and you haven't just said that, then then you're you amazing. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, you are in a distinct minority. Isn't it quite difficult to? No, hang on, let me backtrack. Let me phrase this a different way. Given the access to food that we now have, mm-hmm. we can walk into a choice of six different places mm-hmm. that sell groceries. We can go to thirty different restaurants. You have to be mindful about what you eat. You can't be... So when you say take your head out of it, you're not saying people shouldn't be mindful. Correct. So yeah. I just want to try and understand uh, the, the, the point at which being deliberate and mindful and sensible, which involves thought, yes. crosses over yes. into becoming disordered because it involves compulsion. Like, yes. So, so, so I come and see you now. How are you assessing me? So, so in terms of, um, that's a very good way of looking at it because, um, unfortunately the, the, the world is so weight obsessed. The, if you, if you look on Instagram on anywhere, it's all about your body, how your body looks, how thin you are. It's, everything is around us. So it's very difficult not to be disordered. Mm. But when we look at what choices are we now going to make? Yes, the head is always going to be involved at some in, at sure. some level because yeah. we are thinking beings. But it's about saying, am I going to eat a burger and chips or am I going to eat a salad? Um, it's about what is my body going to feel when I eat that? Afterwards. So, yes. So- and we learn that through through um lessons we we, i mean so we're all going to have a burger and chips at some point and then we go okay i feel horrid why do i feel horrid because i ate too much of it or because it was the burger and chips so no because you ate too much your body can tolerate a certain a certain amount would i eat the salad no because i'll have no energy afterwards so we've got to we've got to look at what's best for my body so yes in health um burger and chips sounds awful (laughs) but it doesn't have to be awful Mm. and it doesn't have to be wrong so so again so so if i eat a meal and i feel guilt that's disordered eating that's disordered yeah so if there's guilt or shaming around food absolutely disordered we 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 need to learn how to have that burger how to have that chocolate how to enjoy those as well because the body can tolerate it to a point so i'm playing i'm playing devil's advocate because i really want to tease this out so then okay i'm not going to feel guilty because i ate the salad yes so now if I, if I choose the salad and then don't feel guilty, okay. I'm no longer disordered. No, you are. So, because right, if so you're not listening to your body. <laughs> okay. So if you so, then don't have energy for the next three, four hours of the day okay. and you feel good because you ate the salad, um, but your body is actually not able to function at its best, that is still disordered. Right. Okay. So guilt is a, guilt is a sign. Uh, awareness of, de- of denial is a sign. Yes. Yes. Uh, what, what others? I mean... Um, Social, how, how so socially it must be very difficult for people when they are around others who have different <laughs> disordered eating to them. So that there must be a social sign somehow. Um, if you just can't be natural around food, yeah. if if you if you're scared of eating something, so um, we all feel like dessert after the meal. Um, no, 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 I can't have it because that chocolate cake is going to make me fat. Though, if those kind of thoughts are in your head, then then it's disordered because 
a slice of cake here and there is not going to make you fat. Even yeah. after a big meal, even if you overate on that day, we don't we don't want to do that often because that doesn't feel good to our body. But if we do it from time to time, we don't we shouldn't be scared of it because right. your body. This is I think where some people or what some people are, and, and especially if they're disordered, they feel like. Any little thing, they, any little slip, any little extra, anything they've done wrong is going to affect their body and they're going to get fat or yeah, they're going to gain yeah, weight yeah. or they're not going to have the muscle now that they, that they should. Right. So, okay, so I'm at dinner last night yes. and uh, great dinner, ate a substantial amount, no guilt, but now it's time to decide, do I have dessert? No, actually, I'll have a coffee. Is, for some people, that should be commendable. No? Yes, so but the disordered side is around um more why the, you made the, that the choice. Yes. Okay. So if okay. you made that choice because yo, I, yeah. I, I'm full, I'm satisfied, mm-hmm. I'm gonna feel sick if I eat a dessert now. I really just don't feel like eating a dessert. The, right. the, the desire for it isn't there. Okay. Coffee will end the meal nicely, then that's not disordered. So and and again I'm I'm sort of prodding this yes. because I wanna get to the bottom of it. So I've decided I'm not gonna have the dessert, I'm gonna go for the coffee. And it's not because I don't necessarily want the dessert. It's because I know that I'm going to be cycling with my mate Mike on the weekend. And if I am not careful, I'm going to not keep up. Disordered, yes or no? Yes. Yes. Because that cake is not going to make you cycle any less badly. So I'm irrational in (laughs) that moment about my relationship with food. Your reasoning for not having it is... Yeah. Um, about a gotcha. my 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 activity is not going to be as good. Okay. But so if we do this every single day, and you have the dessert after every right. single day, then it no. might impact your um, um, how well you ride. So yeah, but so the, a once off. I hear you. Yeah. So the, the the I guess the conundrum for you then would be <laughs> that it sounds to me like the threshold for disordered eating is quite low. Yes. Uh, and, and, and your net will capture a lot of people. Yes. How do you address the psychology of it and frame it in a positive way and change it? That's a big question. That's a big question. Um, and that is such an individualized answer yeah. from one client to the next. It's different. It all depends on where they are psychologically. It depends on their abuse of food or um, abuse of not eating. Mm, um, mm. So it all depends on where they're at in the process. So someone who's got very slight disordered eating, I, I wouldn't need to do much. Mm. Um, it's more those that sort of get to that place where it's interfering in their life, in their quality of life, in their health then as well, where I would take a step in and mm. try and mm. work on how they are thinking around food and try and get them to change that thinking and understand that food is not the enemy. I, I, I'm always quite excited. I mean, just in the few moments we've been chatting, I kind of it, it sort of things start sinking in about the relationship we have with food because yeah. that's what it mm-hmm. is. It's, it's mm-hmm. not what we eat, it's what we feel about yes. the relationship. Mm, that motivations part is the yeah. key, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So for me, it feels like it's something when you're talking to your clients and you're giving advice, it's about sustainability because yes. once you start being denying yourself certain things, you know that that's not sustainable. So when you talk to people, it, it, the idea is then to change the way that they eat and their relationship with food for mm-hmm. good. It's not a mm-hmm. nothing is short term. Everything is is a long term, more sustainable, yes. and yes. You, you stick to it. That, that's kind of the way you, yeah. you teach. And if you if you look at the studies that um, look at how long does it take to change a habit. Yeah, well, that's a good that's the question, isn't it? How long does it take? So the average is 66 days. 
Sure. Okay. Um, and the range is anything from 18 days to eight and a half months. Okay. Depending so, on how entrenched, yeah. depending yeah. on how entrenched it is, yeah. and um, yeah, yeah, the amount of change that needs to happen, and how willing they are to make those changes. I mean, it's a habit change needs to be want you want need to want to change your habits, but um, the problem is people keep falling and making mistakes, and then thinking, oh, I'm going to throw yeah. the towel," and it's realizing that every time we make a mistake, it's a good opportunity to learn how to do it better next time. I actually really like it when people make mistakes because then mm. I feel like they're learning so much more. And what we've got to remember is that all the work that's happening in our head to because there's got to be neural changes in your head mm. to make these things more, these habits more ingrained and to become the unconscious. Um, every time you make a mistake, you don't go back to square one. We just take a little bit of a step back and then we learn from it and then we take a step forward again. And it's actually quite interesting when I have clients and they are spot on on the diet that I gave them and they're following it to a T and they never make a mistake. I actually get worried mm. because, yes, the weight loss is happening beautifully, but I don't feel like they're learning. And I feel like they are the ones that are going to fall again and then crash and go back to square it's a, one. It's a bit like and smokers trying to give up smoking, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, these smokers, they'll, they'll give up for, they'll, for 30 days and they'll have one and then they're back to smoking <laughs> 30 days because they, they oh, failed. Yeah. 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 And we've got to learn to say, I made a mistake. This wasn't ideal. But what can I learn from it? What was the trigger that happened? Um, what am I susceptible to? What were the thoughts that came with that? What were my emotions that came with that? And that was then, and then, the, and then the resultant behavior. So it's a whole lot of things that we've got to work through. So this is especially for really disordered um, eaters or very emotional eaters. Um, so we've got to work through all of that. And we've got to start understanding what's happening in our head so that we can make the changes. I always say to my clients, you have to keep a diary and not just a food diary, a thinking diary as well. Mm. Emotions diary. We've got to know what's going on in our head because once we know what's going on, we can see where we, where we are, steps are not ideal and where we can then try and take a different step. It's hard work give though an and example. it takes time. Give us an example of somebody that you, I mean, I don't mention names obviously, but a, a disordered eating person in other words somebody that does something that you consider disordered eating and, and the psychology behind why they do that so i've got a whole lot of clients who um are just are very disordered eating but they're not actually eating disorders so their weights are still fine they are on the lower side um but they and they're just so scared of gaining weight i think that's often where the disordered eating comes from yeah. when it's not quite an eating disorder because with an eating disorder you are losing weight and then you go or from, especially with the anorexics then you go far too low but with these clients they, they've lost weight but now they're so fearful of gaining weight that they've stuck themselves into a specific diet so they only eat some one thing at breakfast then they only eat this little thing at lunch and they only eat this little thing. There's no variety anymore. And they're so fearful of going beyond those boundaries that the minute they go beyond those boundaries, they feel like their bodies are just going to explode back into, into fatness. Um, so that is a very common disordered eating where people are so rigid with their diet and with exercise rigidity with exercise is a common one as well yeah. um that they cannot step out of it and when they do they feel they've completely lost control um so it's that kind of 
when you feel you lose control around food, when you eat something that's different, that's disordered because our bodies can handle it. Mm. Our bodies can handle a lot. So, so I have two questions in response to that. Um, I'll ask the first one. Maybe we won't even get to the second. We'll see which way we go. When you encounter that client, the surface re- reason is I'm scared to gain weight. Yes. But you've, you, you've got to ask why. You know, there's that thing about ask why five times. Yes. Why are you scared to gain weight? Yes. Because the, the fear of the fear of um, gaining weight is actually quite superficial. Yes. Yes. So, what's the first answer when you say why? A typically, example. Because I, mean, I know there's then, many of them, but because but, then life is not going to be as good as it is now. Life is not nice now that be, I'm at this weight. Because they've been rejected in the past for being, or, or something like. I yes. mean, I'm just trying to yeah. give, give some examples. So. Yeah. So if, you, if you've got to treat it at the root cause, like if, if it was me, it wouldn't work to say you shouldn't be scared to gain weight. I'd just dismiss you because it's... Yeah, so it's I can't a, tell them a, that they can't f- be scared to gain weight. I need to right, convince so, them that yeah. eating differently is not going to make them gain weight. Got you. So yeah. Yeah, that's what I was sort of trying to get at is, is you can't logically solve this. No. It's not rational. No. No, right. no, their brains are very irrational. Mm. Yes. So mm. I don't, and generally if I'm happy with your weight range, where if you are in a healthy weight range, if you're not under a BMI of 18.5, then I'm not going to force you to gain weight. Yeah. I will say to you, possibly your your body might um, vacillate a bit and mm. we've got to just see what it does. Often when people are this restrictive with their diet, they are under eating. So they are not feeling great in terms of energy, which is also part of the reason that they are with me. And they know this isn't life because they can't go out with their friends and and just be normal around food. And so we just start out by looking at, are you eating enough? Okay, we need to eat more for your body and then you'll feel better. And and then I do not let people see weight. Yeah. Weight, we take weight out of the equation because weight is the problem. We're focusing on a number that may not be right for you. Mm. And everyone's genetics is so different that we've got to see what is the best for your body. Um, What is your body going to do when we do this? I know roughly what most bodies would do, but... And then I I make them eat enough so that they start feeling better. And then I weigh them to let them know that everything's going all right. And if they do gain a bit, normally they still feel okay. So if they can't see it, it's okay. And I say to them, I don't know what your range is yet. Also remember, we never, we cannot be stuck on one weight. So we have to sit on a two kilogram band. And if you weigh yourself constantly and you are okay with your number and you're not trying to lose or, or gain or anything, you'll see that you vacillate on a two kilogram band. And we've got to be okay if we see it higher on some days and lower on others. Mm. So um, I then figure out what is their band and if they're stable. So if what I've given them keeps them very stable, then I start practicing trying different foods. Let's have a treat. So Mm. this week, once this week, you have to try and have a treat. And they have to sit and enjoy the treat and sit with the feelings as well that they have with it. And then I show them that eating different foods is not going to change your weight. And so they slowly start relaxing their boundaries. so that would sort of be how it's not as quick as it sounds right now. Um, it does take time because we've got to sit first for a while and be okay with eating this amount and knowing it's it's okay. My my body is is still okay. I'm still fitting into my clothes, so it's 
all good. Mm. Um, so yeah, I just and and it it is so different with every person because every person reacts differently to to food um, and and bringing in new food. And the more disordered the relationship with food, the worse the rules. So we've got to break down the rules. And this is what we yeah. do with eating disorders. We slowly break down the rules. This is a rule you have with food. I'm not allowed to eat after a certain time. And we go, okay, we're going we're to eat after this time, from time to time, and see that mm, you'll and be it's okay. okay. My body's going to yeah. be okay. Yeah. And I'm actually going to be happier the, for the fact that I can do it. So it, it's literally just breaking it down bit by bit. And we've got to just figure out what are their rules, what is their dis- disordered where are they sitting in the disordered spectrum? I guess also it's people that are, I mean, the vast majority of people are not people who are trying to put on weight. The vast majority of people who are trying to lose weight. Yeah. Do, do, do those factors still play out in those the weight loss category? Um, in other words, if somebody's got someone, a BMI of over, what's it, 30 or 33, yes. what's, what's yes. seen as risk? Um, um, 25, anything over 25 isn't mm, ideal. Um, yeah. it, it is just a benchmark. Um, I change it from person to person because it's, yeah. it's, yeah. It, it, there's yeah. no ethnicities. Um, um, they're all the same male, female, all get classed into the same BMI. So we've got a problems with BMI. But yes, if someone does need to lose weight from a health perspective, um, normally they, I don't get such disordered eating with your higher weights, that kind of strictness. Um, but if, is that why though? Um, because they wouldn't be at that weight if they were eating so little. Oh, <laughs> exactly, because people at those weights are probably not eating very healthily. Yes, they might be and, eating a lot, fall, but they're not eating and well. And they fall far more, and there's much more emotional eating involved. Um, which is it, a disorder in itself. Which is a, a, a difficulty in itself. Because yeah. now you see, this is a different <laughs> dilemma because this is a person who's got no in their minds, no unusual or, or bad, poor relationship with food. They so, eat what they want when they want, and as a consequence, they get unhealthy. And now your job is actually to introduce yes, yes. <laughs> introduce okay. an element of, and I don't want to call of it control. disordered eating, but yes, uh, controlled no, of eating. Control. Yes. Yeah. So um, the reason their eating is disordered is because they've tried a lot of diets to lose weight. And then they go on a diet, they lose weight, they fall off the diet, they regain the weight plus more, and yeah. now they're in square one again. And they've done this time and time and time again. And so therein lies the disorder. Mm. They think they have to eat perfectly to lose weight. And if they don't eat perfectly, they won't lose weight. So then the minute they fall, they don't catch themselves very quickly again because they think, I've fallen, it's over, I can't do this. You see, I'm a failure. Mm. Um, so there I need to... Put them on an eat. So I do start with eating plans and I do work out a general eating plan for clients because I feel when you put structure in, it helps. Yeah. But then I've also got to make sure it doesn't become a disordered um, eating because this is my... With too much A lot structure. of issues that I have mm. with dietitians mm. is they give eating plans and they say, you have to eat this on a Monday morning at breakfast. You have to eat this on a Monday at lunch. I disagree with that. You've got to say, what do I feel like today? What do I have? Mm. It's got to be a little bit more. So I don't do like eating plans like that, but I give a structure for the day. So I also really, really believe you've got to get your physiology right. That's a vital part of eating well and feeling good. Yeah. And that means eating more during the day rather than eating more during the day, making sure you eat breakfast, making sure you eat your carbs because they're not the devil. Um, you will feel so much better when you do this and then slowing down later in the day and having a couple of treats a week because we're human and we like it. So there is a structure that I bring in. And then for the person that's trying to lose weight, 
I need to get them into that structure and get them to learn that this is a basic structure. And when we make a mistake, we learn from it and we pick ourselves up and we just carry on the next day. Mm. We don't just let it off. We all make mistakes. Are there, are there some people or circumstances where excessive structure is actually going to be beneficial for them? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Some people so just absolutely I want to be would, told what to eat yes, and when. Exactly. And it actually gives them a degree of security yes. that, that so is better for them than the alternative. It's it's a... It looks like it's something they need, yeah. but it's going to lead to disordered eating because we cannot stick to a strict structure mm. Mm. all the time in our human lives. Yeah. We've got to remember yeah. we're humans. And I keep saying to people, your body is not a machine. If it was, we could feed it exactly the same every day. But our bodies need different things every day. Sometimes mm. we need a bit more energy. Sometimes we need less energy. Sometimes, um, yeah, if you're cold and you're shivering the whole day, you're going to be hungrier at the end of the day. So you've got to learn also what is your body talking? What is your body saying? And 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 understand those signals. So this is why I also do the structure because I need them to reconnect their head in their stomach and really understand what their body is saying because ultimately that's what I want you to listen to, not me. I'm not the one who knows your body best. Your body knows your body best, but you've got yeah. to know how to listen to it again. Yeah, so, so, that, so that was another thing I was thinking, because again, I'm trying to put myself in the mind mm. of some of the listeners. We'll have a lot of listeners out there who are coaches. They coach a high school or university cross-country team, mm -hmm. whatever, mm -hmm. lacrosse, tennis, whatever it is. They, they take this advice on board and even some of your clients. And then the moment that client is no longer with you, they hop onto social media or a website or a magazine and they'll see lose weight and i'm thinking athletes now lose weight run faster yes now how do you equip people to be robust in their changing their attitudes towards food yeah i see this so this just takes time and you've got to learn to be um when you see an advert like that not yeah. just to trust not just to believe um mm. you've got to look is it study based or is it just someone saying they did it and therefore this is what you need to do so mm. it is also looking at a couple of things to say this is real or this is not real it's the same as when you look at a food label we don't just look at the front and go oh it says it's low fat great i can eat this mm. um we have to look at the back and see well what are the ingredients what are the so we, we've got to investigate a bit more we can't just keep falling for these fatty kind of adverts that promise you everything mm. Mm. so it's 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 make them more aware that there's a lot of junk mail out there yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just like a, there's so much mm. junk food that you can buy there's so much junk stuff that you can read and right. a lot of it is junk and we've got to learn to sift through it and say does this sound plausible or is it actually just going to be another diet and mm. get me in trouble ultimately? I'm sure one of the, the people are listening are going, okay, well, it's all great. We know that they're, you know, we've got to be careful about the way we, we eat. So we define that there is the relationship with food. I know it sounds very generous to say this, mm. but how do you define a healthy diet? In other words, can you say eating three meals a day is important? Can you say, you know, having three fruits and, you know, 
to have a fistful of protein twice a day. You know, are they are there certain guidelines that you look and saying, yeah, that that diet's pretty healthy, based on what that. But this is the what, and this is this is the what you're asking about. Well, it's it's an an idea. In other words, if I'm a listener and I'm going, okay, I'm not sure whether I'm disordered or 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 not, but I'm doing the following: I'm eating three times a day. I'm not fasting till twelve o'clock, but I'm eating my breakfast in the morning with protein in it, and I'm having a decent lunch with a bit of carbs, and maybe I'm slightly lower carb in the evening, for instance. Mm -hmm. Is that the wrong way to think about it? Or are there guidelines that you can reassure people that, yeah, that's that's a healthy diet? Yeah. So there are definitely guidelines um, that you can know that your diet is healthy. But I think we've also got to remember there there is no one definition of healthy in terms of food. So this diet can be healthy. This diet can be healthy. There, there isn't only one right. And we've got to find that right for us. But the basic guidelines are we've got to eat breakfast. Our bodies need the fuel in the morning. If you look at how the body works, um, it functions, all the functions of food, so the digestion of the food, the utilization of the food, the, the absorption of the nutrients, is far better during the daytime than it is at night. And we're working during the day. We're, this is when we're working. This is when we're exercising. This is when we're needing more energy. So we need energy during the day. So give your body energy during the day. And that starts with a good breakfast. Eat like a ki- eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a pauper. Mm. Uh, sorry, lunch like a prince, supper like a pauper is actually still very much valid. Um, so, and it's not that's about... That's not new science. That's been around for That's been around for a long, years. long time. But it's actually so true because yeah. we, our bodies do work with the circadian cycle. Mm. Um, the, the general guideline is eat regularly in the day. And that can be anything between three and six meals. And this is, again, where everyone is different and needs to know how to listen to their body in terms of what their, what their body is saying. So if your body is hungry, feed it. If it's yeah. not, you can wait another hour. So some people can get away with three meals a day and it's perfectly healthy. But others, that five-hour, six-hour gap between the meals is not okay and they get too hungry at a mealtime. And the minute we get too hungry, we overeat or we're more likely to overeat and go for the wrong choices. So there immediately lies an, a, a yeah. less healthy structure. Exhibit A, yeah. Yeah. That's me. So it's <laughs> yeah. eat, eat well in the morning and eat regularly. My guideline of regularly is every three to five hours and figure out what yours is once you've figured out what how to listen to hunger and how to know when your body is asking for food. And then the, so that's, that's in terms of structure and the structure is to me vastly, vastly important because when you eat enough in the day, you are less likely to have, or you you won't have physiological cravings at night and it'll be really easy to eat a small supper and then not need to snack afterwards. If you're not eating in the day, you're going to be starving at night and you're going to want to carry on eating after supper, mm. even though you know logically you put a food into your stomach and you shouldn't be hungry, but there's this craving and that comes from not eating enough during the day. So getting the structure right, I think, is a, a vital part of health. Yeah, and the problem there is that then then you've got a trade-off between two bad things. You either give in to your, your, your cravings and you indulge mm-hmm. and feel guilty, yes, or you resist the cravings and actually create in yourself a micromanaging control freak around food. Yes. So e- yes. either, either yes. option's poor. It's is not good. Yes. And it's interesting because like there are some studies actually. I remember giving some lectures to some personal trainers for this virgin active work that we do. And they would, if, if you take a group of people and you deny them the access to breakfast, mm-hmm. but you give them an all-you-can-eat lunch, they overcompensate at lunch. Mm-hmm. 
And the end result is that over 72 hours of three days, no breakfast, but as much as you want later, they, they end up arriving at the same place because the body just says eat more at lunchtime. Yeah. Yeah. And the metabolic rate goes down because when, yeah. when the body is denied the opportunity to have that energy, it kicks into what evolutionarily wise is a survival met- metabolic response. Yeah. And so you end up creating two negative outcomes. You mm-hmm. overcompensate on intake and you, you adjust expenditure. So it actually hurts you on both sides of the coin. And again, the only way that you'd be able to resist that if you cut breakfast out is to become more obsessive about lunch. So you actually yes. just you actually just end up potentiating like bad behaviors. Yeah. And, so you and, it's a really it's a choice between obsessive or guilty. Yeah. It's, that's not a good place to be. And and that's the disorder. Yeah. That's that's when the disorder mm. then comes in when it's you really, start trying to control mm. or you feel mm. bad about what you've done. Exactly. Um, mm. So that's the one part of health. The other part of health is making sure you eat the better food. And by better, this is a vast one. There's no absolute wrongs. Well, there are. Junk food, I'd say, is an absolute yeah. wrong. We know the bad but, stuff. But, but yeah, most people, this is what I keep yeah. saying, most people know what's, right. what they should not really be eating much in the day mm. and what they should be eating. So, And, and I get very, get very frustrated when people start blaming, oh, I put on weight, it must be the bread I'm eating. I must stop eating bread. Nothing wrong with bread. Bread is absolutely fine. Yeah, look, your 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 normal um, loaf bread does have far too many ingredients these days. But if you go to a bakery or you make your own bread, it's a very good food to use to give your body good energy. Mm. So um, the what is actually where you can be far more relaxed on within reason. Um, the the pattern will actually get in the pattern right is what will get you to relax about food because the cravings, the physiological cravings disappear. Mm. Habitual cravings might still be around, emotional cravings, we cannot um, sort out without doing the the head work. But 95% of my clients who come in saying, I'm a chocoholic, (laughs) two weeks later when I've made them eat more during the day, said, I didn't crave anything. Yeah. So we're not true chocoholics. Right. Um, it's just we're causing ourselves to be by not eating during the day. Mm. Um, so the answer is, and, and that's actually the pattern that I want people, that's where the behavior change that I work on mostly is get into that habit of eating breakfast. It's a must. It's a non-negotiable. Um, eat when your body says it's hungry. All the fasters out there going, no, I'm not eating until one o'clock. Yeah, yeah there's a bit of an intermittent <laughs> fasting. There are so many different ways uh, the diets oh, that have been that have been things, yeah. created that's that's disordered eating again i'm afraid intermittent fasting can definitely be used as a tool as part of your eating i do think there is definitely some benefit to fasting but fast at a time where your body doesn't need much energy not at a time where it needs it especially um, athletes i mean like especially you, athletes sure. yes you're, you're, you're going for 2000 calories a day on a bicycle or whatever it is and then you want to fast on top of that correct, i mean that's correct that's a shortcut to reds. I mean, there yeah. are some there are some uh, physiological benefits of doing fast fasted rides, for instance, if you're in a or fasted runs, because there is metabolic yeah. processes that take yeah. place a, in that. Right. I right. Mean, there's a theory called train low, compete high, and this mm. refers to the carb energy supply. So many listeners will know train high, compete low. That's altitude. <laughs> and with respect to <laughs> with respect to carbohydrates, there have been studies on train low. In other words, train in a glycogen deplete state. Because when you when your body doesn't have access to carbohydrates in the liver and the muscle, 
it is forced to burn fat preferentially. That drives fat adaptations, which then when you compete with carbs will, in theory, delay fatigue and improve performance. And so do, that's, do you concur, Kim? And so, o- so, that. so that's 100% right um, in terms of how to fat adapt mm. your body. Yeah, so that's that is what, what, what um, mm. the studies are saying. Mm. I just worry that, um, so, so we've got this idea of what happens, but nothing is exactly the same in, from one person to the right. next. And to me, you can go overboard with that and then your body then kicks into, a, I don't know how to use glucose anymore. And then when you do eat glucose on a tra- on a on a competitive day, then you end up having major stomach issues because mm. the body actually doesn't remember how to or is, mm. is struggling now to mm. digest it. Yeah. So we've got to also think of that side of it. To me, these kind of things use them sparingly and use them here and there. Right. Don't do it as an absolute rule. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I was studying honors and PhD, there were a couple of studies that were being done on it trying to achieve the same thing, fat adaptation through a high fat diet. So mm. you would eat for a week or two, just a super high fat diet. And because you, you see the body's clever enough, it burns what it has. Yes. You know? And so if you supply it with fats for two or three weeks, you become better at burning fats. The idea then is at the end of those two weeks, when you exercise with fats and carbs, you're still better at the fats. You spare the carbs and that delays the fatigue. But with that, and I remember this, there were responders and there were non-responders. Some people just could not train for two weeks on fats. And so you end up gaining the theoretical benefit by two units, but you've lost six because you you couldn't train. And that's the thing with the train low, compete high carb thing, is how do you do do high-intensity training without those carbohydrates? And so you end up getting worse, not better, because you what you gain on the swings, you lose on the roundabout, so to speak, physiologically. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, because um, and then because we'll always have responders and non-responders. Our, mm. our, that's got to do with our genes, right? Um, and how do you know? Okay, you mm. can do gene tests so that you know, but um, will even it? Those, will you gain that those, much even more? Even those are in themselves. But will you gain that much more ultimately? Yeah, exactly. Um, so maybe for your elites, that is something that can be investigated. But for your average exercises, um, that's not something I would play around with. Yeah. A mm, mm. couple of quick questions. Um, do we have, is there such thing as addictions, like sugar yeah. addictions you and spoke about carb addictions, chocoholics? I mean, uh, are, they, are, they, are they actually things or are they, <laughs> media or are they just in our headlines. heads? Media headlines, yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, I think we, we can become addicted to food, but it's not a true addiction like an alcohol addiction or Cocaine, a drug addiction. Gambling or, addiction. Yeah, so I think there is a difference because I can change it in someone if I change how they eat. Right. Easily. So, yes. More easily than you could change it to real yes. addiction. No, so a real addiction, a, you can't a, just say. As a person in this field, does it, it, it must annoy you when people use addiction so frivolously and trivially. Absolutely, no. yes, because it's no. not actually an addiction. What it is, is it's a, it is a physiological craving. Your body is craving food or energy if you don't feed it. Mm-hmm. That's what's coming out at the end of the day. And it just happens to come out at the end of the day. Yes, we then develop a habitual craving. Right. So, oh, I mm. like this chocolate. Well, chocolate would be nice again tonight. And then the minute we do it too many times, then we are in that habit of doing it. But it's a habit. I don't think it's an addiction. So when they say that they can study the brain of a cocaine addict and they can see that dopamine response um and then and then there's the, you'll read an article saying they've seen the same thing when people get in, in it's not people when rats get given chocolate or something <laughs> they, they, they're they're linking it 
neuro neurobiologically. Yeah, yeah. So they say the same areas get fired up. Right. Um, and and I think you, a sugar high is real. Yeah. Um, if you've ever mm. had a lot of sugar, um, you do bounce around a bit more. You're a bit more mm. hyper than mm. normal. We see it in kids all the time. So um, there, there is a there is a reaction in your brain, but it's I don't think it's an addiction. Um, it, yeah. So so I think it is more a habitual addiction than and so a psychological addiction, if anything. Mm than a actual physiological Logical. one but it is a physiological reaction be if you're not giving your food uh, your body enough food during the day yeah it's very um, i mean it's pretty interesting to make that distinction because i think a lot of people feel that they are i mean that often people say I'm, sh I'm, I'm sh i've got a sugar addiction yes so they say well this is what i so they're trying to avoid sugar and they're taking xylitol instead of sugar and all that sort of thing yes when in fact what so you're saying is just get your diet <laughs> Yeah. right and yeah. you won't have that so yeah. the this is what they do they just cut out sugar or cut out carbs because mm. that is why i am craving mm. um but if you just cut and you don't get your diet right you don't eat correctly for your physiology the craving's going to still be there yeah and then if we and i hate this is one of my pet hates a product saying it's sugar free and then you look and it's just got a different sugar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sugar is sugar is sugar. Mm. So yes, table sugar is the sucrose and um, too much of that is not going to give us health because it displaces nutrition. But in small amounts, it really does nothing bad in our body and is absolutely, the body can tolerate it and use it. Um, but just substituting it with another sugar is not going to help us because we're still a Addicted, and I'm using this word very lightly now, um, to the taste of it. Mm -hmm. So part of the addiction in inverted commas is I like the taste of this food. I want it again. But we can we can desensitize our, our taste buds to enjoy less sweet foods and thereby not feel as addicted to it. So it, a lot of it has to do with taste buds. And unfortunately, a lot of our junk food does have components and additives in it that are made to get your taste buds really craving mm. it again. So mm. it's really also understanding your cravings. Are they physiological i'm not eating enough energy or i'm just so used to something and i like it and i actually need to desensitize my taste buds to it so i like people just decreasing their sugar a bit just so that food you can taste what food or, or the salt so that you can taste what food actually tastes like and enjoy natural the natural flavor of foods um i always think it's so funny when people eat a salad and they lace it with um, dressing <laughs> that is the worst thing for me because i love the taste of that cucumber and that tomato and the, the I'm onion of, and, I'm guilty of and that. I'm <laughs> you're guilty of that to me it's then you like you like dressing you don't like salad I sometimes have a salad <laughs> i sometimes have a salad with my salad dressing yeah yes so yeah. But we need to learn how to taste real food again because ultimately our healthiest foods are the ones that are less processed. Yeah. Um, and that's if we go like in that direction, mm. less processed, more, more home cooked, mm. um, then we're moving towards health from a food perspective. Yeah. There's something quite joyous about that, isn't there? Yes. When you think about the fact that we don't necessarily taste the food, yeah. um, but when you do taste a, a wholesome, good meal and you can taste the, the subtleties of flavor, there's, there's something beautiful yeah. about that. Whereas yeah. if you go to you know, the other extreme, which is the sort of junk food, you know, the McDonald's where you've got this high salt and high sugar, they, you know, get their geographical tongue half an hour later. You don't feel good yeah. about it. It might be that quick sort of dopamine hit, absolutely, but actually, absolutely. the, the, the long-term feelings of not yeah. eating well are actually quite yeah. serious. Yeah. 
the problem is when you're not eating well for a long period of time, you stop you stop un, um, knowing what it feels like to feel healthy. Yeah. So I think a lot of people don't know what it feels like. They've got headaches every day and it's just, well, it's just normal. It's I'm bloated. It's normal. Mm. They don't mm. actually understand what it feels like to feel, mm. to have good energy. So, um, moving towards the healthier foods will definitely make your body feel better. But you've also got to get the pattern right to, to make everything feel, feel good. All this, so, so, yeah. So all this talk about feeling makes me wonder, mm-hmm. Uh, let's say hypothetically now I've picked up a magazine I've read about a low carb keto Atkins whatever diet take your pick I try it and I start feeling better because Mm. that's what the article Mm. said I would if I'm basing my future behavior on my present feelings and I'm just going to reaffirm what feels good I would just keep going so there's a there's almost like a placebo effect the power of suggestion or where my 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 belief informs my feeling and then my feeling informs my belief and it just Yes. Accelerates. Like, why should a listener not embrace that? I mean, why would you get in the way of that? To a certain extent, I would say yes, embrace it, but really go into your body over time and see if you mm. are still feeling good. Because often when we go on a diet, we um, do feel better because yeah. that initial bloating is gone. Um, okay, and also then they step on the scale and they see the number down, and that psychologically makes us feel good. Right. Um, yeah. But if you go further, then you realize, okay, now my energy levels are actually poor, um, mm, or mm. I'm feeling this feeling, or whatever you're feeling. So it's continue to feel to see if you're feeling all right, because mm. that initial change might cause your body to go, ah, oh, I'm feeling so much better because I, I can actually move better. And well, I, I mean, the, the classic manifestation of that, and I, I want to use it to bring it back to exercise, is everyone who cycles or runs knows that it's a weight sensitive sport and Mm -hmm. especially cycling going up a hill if I lose four or five kilograms my power to weight goes up in proportion to that I start climbing better I feel better I'm keeping up with or beating people who Mm -hmm. before I couldn't Mm -hmm. and I think this is going great Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. therefore I'm going to keep going with this Mm -hmm. um now what would in a professional athlete that's necessary yeah, in a competitive um, athlete, potentially. Yes, uh, but I think in a professional athlete, you won't see those leaps and bounds because they're already their bodies are already that much. Um, yeah, yeah, better. I mean, for sure. And I mean, if I look at cycling, they've they've achieved those leaps and yes. bounds through doping. Yes. The new, the new, <laughs> yes. the new frontier in doping for cycling is weight loss. And it, mm. you know, it used to be, and we've said this on this podcast. It used to be always <laughs> doping. I mean, cyclists, by their very nature, are like jockeys. They're they they're designed for the sport, so they are. Yes naturally leaner than any other sport right but yes there are there is abuse yeah and so in the 90s doping and cycling was about adding power to the system in the in the current modern era i think it's about taking weight weight out of the system without taking power out but you get to the same place which is better watts per kilogram but through doping i mean Mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure the cortisone doping now in the sport is is used for this very purpose it's weight loss without power loss and i'm gonna go faster but that's i guess is a is a is a separate debate i guess what i'm getting at is in a in an athlete whose goals are performance how much more disordered eating would you tolerate compared to someone who's not going for performance so the disorder comes in when you continually want to cut your calories to lose weight and now you don't don't have the energy to do the the work mm. um, and you, you're not feeling your most energized mm. Mm. Um, so it goes back to that that thinking of if I eat if I skip this meal if I eat a bit less 
then I'll lose some more weight and then I'll be faster. But we get to a point where more weight loss or less calories is going to mean underperforming and thereby is not going to be a benefit anymore. Mm. So at that point where it's not a benefit anymore and where you have now become a little bit disordered about the thinking around food, where you're scared to eat a food because you're scared that you're going to gain weight, um, it's so or you in- eat it and then you get rid of it because now you develop a full-blown eating yes. disorder yes. like like Yanni Barkovich yeah. did. Yeah, where you, where you can't mm. help yourself and you end up overdoing it or binging on it mm. and then you feel so guilty about it that you, mm. you end up mm. purging. So, mm. yeah, so, so that's when we know, okay, we've crossed the line somewhere that's not okay mm. anymore. Mm. Um, yeah, so, so it is about finding that sweet spot where for your body you've lost enough weight where less calories is not going to help you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's learning to say that less is not more. So um, cutting your calories too low is going to affect your metabolism, which means your body's just not going to give you a lot of energy to do things. And then in athletes, we start shutting down systems. Right. So even great. though they'll yeah. be able to cycle because their body is now um, – physiologically attuned to giving the energy to the exercise certain body systems are now not going to get energy and we start shutting down Mm -hmm. so the system Mm -hmm. itself will correct itself in a way because you can only push your weight loss to a level before your body says i don't have the energy to perform what i'm supposed to do so ross mentioned the example of rani brakovich who was you know a a recent top pro and won the giro d'italia as well and he Uh, he was he wrote very openly i think he won the the dauphine yeah won the dauphine sorry uh, top 10 in the in the tour de france i think or 12th or something anyway but certainly Mm -hmm. one of our top tour riders Mm -hmm. And, and he talks very openly on one of his blogs about the fact that he was, you know, suffering from bulimia and literally survived on shakes for a, a large part of his career because he had this incredibly bad relationship mm-hmm. with food and, mm-hmm. the, and the risk of putting on mm-hmm. on weight. But he still performed reasonably well given those How restrictions. Little, yeah, yeah. 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 So, and, and that was a fear of eating, fear of putting yes. food into the mm. system because the brain is now telling you things that this food is going to do which are not real. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole brain won't function correctly also if you're not um, eating enough calories. Um, but he could still perform because the way his body had adapted, it knew it needed to keep so and so much energy for the exercise. Right. Um, but then I have this much left for yeah, everything yeah. else mm. and something's they're not going to get enough. Right, and that's reproductive function in women. That's one why the menstrual cycle is one of the, the first, first things to go. And then yeah. immune system function. We even yes. discussed this in our most recent pod. Um, bone health, mm. stress fractures. Do, do you see this? Do you see personality types being a part of eating disorders? Are there yeah, certain personality types that are high risk yeah, in A-type your, your personalities? <laughs> absolutely, the Plus perfectionist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, they just want to get everything so right and they can't tolerate not being perfect. That um, They try and be more and more perfect with their diet um, and at some point that is not um, productive anymore. So and you're saying when you're looking at some of your clients, when they don't make mistakes, you get concerned. Yes. And when you see them being obsessive about exercise, there's again, that's a marker yes. for somebody that's obsessed and healthily obsessed with, with what they're eating and what they're doing exercise wise. De- definitely yeah. a red flag. Absolutely. The, the person that doesn't make mistakes is not often actually the 
it, it actually is more the person that doesn't have emotional eating issues. And so eating is quite a function. It's more of a function than, um, than an emotion, an emotional reaction. And so it's easy for them just to eat, eat the way I told them to eat because there's no emotions that are causing them to want or crave other right, food. Right. And then because I have structured the eating plan such that you won't get any physiological cravings, it'll be easy to not crave food and not eat extra. It is easy. So actually those kind of clients are actually not necessarily your, they're not emotional eaters. They just needed to learn a little bit more about how to eat right. And now they've gone into a diet mentality of this is what I must do if I want to lose weight. So that's where I get worried in that we can't, you've got to learn to have treats. And I, and I encourage people, please have some treats during the week. It's, it's normal. Mm. We all have some likes. There's always something yeah, that we like that we little. can have a small. <laughs> absolutely, we mm. have to live. And then also we have to be able to go out and, and eat um, at a restaurant or eat at friends' houses and it won't perfectly fit in. But this is the kind of person then that sort of isolates themselves a bit and doesn't go out and doesn't because there's this one goal of weight loss. And those um, emotional eaters are those guys that are girls um, who having a stressful time, they, they eat because it makes them feel better yeah. at, at doing, doing stressful times or any, any time. So they're using it to make them feel, feel, feel that little hit of, yeah. of, um, of dopamine they get when having a, a, something they really like, I suppose, is yeah. an emotional response. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. filling a void. And, and, it, and it's, it's unfortunately because we use, there's just so much food around and we've yeah. learned to use food to make us feel good. And they're overdoing it. So they don't know how to do other things anymore. They well, don't the know how to... Of food to make us feel good, right? There, when you there's say that use side food, as well. Absolutely. Actually, I'm going to actually feel better because I've denied myself. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. Um, is that, that, is, that is That is far mm. more disordered. Yeah. The other mm. one is just an emotional... I've learned how to make myself feel better with food. Mm. Um, and now I've just, I'm overdoing it. Um, and now, and then comes the result and I feel bad about it. So then there's disorder around that. But that in itself, where you're denying mm. yourself and then feeling good about it, mm. that's very disorder. And that's very much moving it's, towards no, the eating right disorder. On the, on the yeah. cusp of a disorder. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. 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 that kind of, that's that's the brain holding you and going. And then what about situations? <laughs> so they get, sure. they get, just to clarify, yeah. they're getting the dopamine hit. Or, by not eating. Or by not eating. Yeah. Okay. And they've got this, they, they know they're hungry, but by denying that hunger, there's mm-hmm. a major like a source of pride of, almost. Um, and yeah, and mm, achievement. And, and yeah. So, but that's very, that's already, that's very disordered. That, that's sure. close on eating disorder. And then linked yeah. to that, you, and you must see this quite often, is, is someone who's, who's got those pathological, is that the right word, relationship with food? But then they take up exercise. And they pour their energies into exercise because that's now the locus of control. Yes. Um, yes. And people on the outside will say, "What progress? Wow, they're, they're doing, doing so, so well. well. Look they're how well they're sixteen hours a week." <laughs> yeah. um, but actually, you're saying, it's a negative. "Hang on, that's that's the biggest red flag there might be." Yeah. Is, yeah. yeah. So that that the disorder also comes from um, you needing to control something. To make yourself feel mm. better. Now, this is very disordered. This is close on eating disorders. Um, and whether that is exercise that you're doing or eating less or um, um, starving yourself, it it doesn't actually, yeah, it, mm. it can be any of those. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just where they feel they've got control. So they might have tried it with food. They didn't feel they got that control. And so now they want to try it with exercise. I got that control. And mm. Mm. Um, they do often come together, though, um, at 
that disordered eater that is very strict will right. also be someone who exercises a lot. I suppose it's in part Mike's question about personality types. I, yeah. mean, I certainly mm. know a few yeah. like that. And if they weren't if they weren't obsessive about exercise, you know, they'd be well, they're probably obsessive about food anyway. But yes. but they'd be even more obsessive about yeah. food. Yeah. Um, what about like? <laughs> I don't know whether the word is is replacement behaviors where where you'll get some people who are fanatical about exercise but then they 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 alcoholics is that <laughs> are those things linked or are they just independent things that's a good question um i think they they would be linked it's almost um it, it, another example where or, or how i'm seeing it is that person that is exceptionally um um good at their work and they're very high up in their business and they're a manager or CEO and yet their eating is completely out of control and they're overweight and they okay. and they don't know how so this is sort right. of their area where they I'm so controlled here and I do everything right here I need a relaxation and so food is their relaxation their mm, their, mm. their naughtiness there so it's almost like yeah so I'm so good at the exercise or I'm so good at the um eating I've got to have my like release, um, release. A, yeah and valve. so it can become alcohol or yeah. it can become very many different things yeah. so yeah. um that is it, it is quite common to see mm. yes mm. where they're so good at one thing and but they lose it in another place yeah. in yeah. another area of their life so, so so i guess in 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 the interest of also like steering this towards some sort of practical and helpful tips We've made everyone think they're they're they've they got disordered. issues now. <laughs> I mean, you say that, but I guess I guess we're all on some spectrum. I mean, there's yes. very few people that will be right in the middle, yeah. even if they're relatively healthy eaters. I mean, we're all yes. on some level of no. on that spectrum. And and your very healthy eaters are actually more on the spectrum of of disorder. <laughs> yes, I keep you on. Get yeah, your, you get yeah, your you orthorexia yeah. where right. they right. just cannot put that piece of cake or chocolate into their mouth mm. because. And it's called, or you said orthorexia. Orthorexia, mm, very common, very common. So, about, yeah. um, Which is, again, just, re, just, uh, just describe what it means focused, again, orthorexia. It, it's, an, it's an eating disorder. It's a classified eating disorder where you will only eat healthy food. So get very, very healthy, very much into health. So the, it's the, <laughs> and, it, and it's too far into health because it's like they won't eat bread because, I mean, gosh, bread is unhealthy, right? Are, are vegans? Um, oh, yeah, we'll cut out gluten and mm. then vegans. Would you define often, vegans as? So not, not as a blanket statement. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> not. We can't do that because we have some really good vegans who yeah. are just naturally. I thought really I'd just throw it in there because I knew it was throwing you a <laughs> but, properly. But, big but, veganism is a red flag. Um, yeah. And so we check it out. Because it's about the why. Yes. It's motivation. Yes. So, yes. And that's, that's, that's also, you, you, we, one can keep saying, let's look at what you eat. But actually, that's, that's not the answer here. That's no. not the thing. You want to say, why do you do it? Yes. yes. And how yeah. do you feel when yeah. you yeah. did it? That's the key. And right. it's, it's yeah. most of my eating yeah. disorders that yeah. come in want to be vegan. And I go, nope. Once you're, once you're healthy, yes, you can choose it. But you can now, save the planet if you're a vegan. <laughs> I don't think you can. So my theory goes a little different. <laughs> let's not go, let's, let's, let's not go let's there. Steer. Well, if you watch all the documentaries on Netflix now, you won't eat fish. You, you won't. won't eat anything, actually. You'll just have to eat the grass in the back of your Something house like and you'll be fine. That. You just drink water, but even that's probably um, You won't survive. Um, so, so, so let's move towards some practical things that maybe people who've listened to this and who, who, who see it as a call to action might try and do. Okay. Um, having recognized disordered eating, mm. I don't want to get worse. I may not want to obsess about getting better, but like what, what are some of the things that I might? Yeah, so I think look at your, look at your goals. 
look at why you are wanting to make the changes to your food. Um, what is the motivation behind it? So um, I've, I've been thinking about this quite a lot where why is everyone's goal weight loss? Um, it's actually to feel good is the goal. I want to feel better in my body. And so for athletes, I want to perform better mm. is the goal, mm. not weight loss. Weight loss is the thought or the thinking that if I lose weight, I will get this. So now we're focusing on, I want to feel better. I want to perform better. And if I lose weight, I can get there. So we start eating in a way that we think we need to eat to lose weight, cut calories, cut carbs, cut sugar, cut fat, uh, whatever your thinking is around it. But mm. generally the cut carbs uh, is very common one, or the cut calories is the, the ultimate that people use. Yeah. And then initially that all works well. We do lose weight. We do perform better because we are losing a little bit of, of weight. But the body is losing weight because it used to get so much energy now we're getting a huge deficit. And so the body will make that up initially. Yeah. After a while, it goes, huh, I keep getting this little energy. Okay, I'm going to adapt. Right. Now through this adaptation, then the negative side effects start coming in. Mm. Where weight loss stops, we may even start gaining weight and performance is no longer as good. And so what people, I think a, a big part of what we need to start Focusing on is don't focus on weight loss. Focus on the goal. The goal is to perform better. The goal is to feel better. And let's eat well for that. So eat enough. It might be a little bit less than what you're currently eating. Might, but if, it's, if you're eating 1,500 calories, maybe you need to eat 1,400. The weight loss will not be as fast, but it will be sustainable and you'll still once you get the eating pattern right, mm. you'll start feeling better. You'll start performing better. And if your body needed to lose weight, you will lose weight. Yeah. I always say to people, weight loss is a natural side effect. It's a happy side effect um, that happens if you treat your body correctly mm. and your body needs to lose weight. Not everybody's body needs to lose weight. Yeah. And then be patient because if you've been treating your body badly, it needs time to come right. It needs time to physiologically get itself into better working order. Mm. Um, I see this often where the weight loss is very poor initially and then suddenly it goes. And that's then, now, now I know the body's happy. It's, yeah. it's working well. Um, little things like if your insulin levels were a bit too high or your glucose levels aren't ideal, just by eating right and the system working better, everything starts working better and all of a sudden everything's coming right and you can get to your best you yeah, yeah so it's get the pattern of your eating right eat during the day when your body needs the energy and in terms of that just to ask you you mentioned earlier so i'm guessing you'd recommend it but you spoke about food diaries yes but also that document something around your emotional state when you eat <laughs> yes. what you're thinking yes do you have any tips for people on how to do that without writing a, a, a anthologies I mean, <laughs> so it, it, it literally starts as simply as write down the time that you're eating, write down what you're eating. Yeah. It's an investigation. We need to do an investigation of what we're currently doing so that we can see where we're falling short and where we need to make changes. So don't beat yourself up if it looks bad. I ate a chocolate. So what? My bad day went pear-shaped. Write it down. Don't avoid the days that don't look good to you. And then as you're writing uh, down what you're eating, so you just... Um, 
time of your eating, what you're eating. You can do a little bit of portions as well, just so that you can see how much you're eating. And then if there's an, a specific emotion, I'm eating now and I know I'm just eating because I'm so tired or mm. I'm just so happy the day's over and I'm having a glass of wine. Mm. Okay, so writing down enjoying because end of day or I'm feeling so depressed because my meeting didn't go well or I'm so sad because of whatever just write down what you're feeling at that time right. and see if there's a connection with oh I tend to eat far more when I feel like this so it's just lightly observing yourself right. and we we write it down because we won't remember what happened a couple of days ago if we didn't write it does down. It, does it help to have someone to whom you are accountable when you write it down? So, for instance, you might take a photograph and send it to an accountability partner and they're doing the same thing back. Or are you better off, maybe, maybe it's, I shouldn't think so simply about these things, but is it? No, so accountability is often a good way to make habits um, mm. work on changing mm. habits so I think accountability is very good just if you are going to have an accountability partner and it is just a friend or whatever make sure they don't are not um, disordered around their food um, so that would be my only <laughs> careful there yeah. because um, everyone has different ideas of what is good and, and yeah. right yeah. Um, it might be an idea to get a professional involved if you feel like um, there is there is more of a disorder than than not um, but it is good to let someone have a look at it and and and, and yeah assess what it's informative initially mm. just see it's information um, you've got to be kind to yourself in the process and you've got to learn that nothing is wrong there is no wrong right. I, I always say that, that we can make a decision to eat and we can make a decision not to eat something and both of those decisions can be right as long as they're done for the right reasons sure sure yeah final question what did you have for breakfast this morning i had um <laughs> I had a bowl of milk, which I heated up. I added some all bran into it. I was going to add some muesli, but there was so little left, I felt bad to eat that away from my husband. So, and then I added a tablespoon of nuts, a tablespoon of seeds, um, and that was my breakfast. So some nice sounds, multi-grains in there. Yeah. And that sounds very wholesome. Yeah. It does. I do eat, sounds nasty. I, yeah, no, it's... Um, that or oats porridge is a big one that I go to in winter mm. now, but I had that yesterday, so I didn't feel like it today. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, I, I have a final question. Like, yes. So yes. You're, you're obviously here in Cape Town. I love people have listened to yes. this and they say, I need to explore this further, but they're in London, Canada, wherever. Where do people go to find more out about this? And what would your advice be to someone who is inspired by what you said to take hold of their relationship with food? So there's a lot of um, disordered eating um, places that you can go and you can just Google disordered eating and you'll find um won't you find a bunch of opportunists who've sort of capitalized on this to try and, I mean, is, is it like that in that world? Certainly diet seems to me to have been hijacked massively by people who want to make bucks. Yeah, unfortunately it is. Yeah. So how, how does someone discern who's Whether good and who's bad? Yeah, if it's a, um, generally if it's a, a foundation or a, um, so I wouldn't go individual um, because the minute you go individual, you don't know. Yeah. But there's a lot of associations for eating mm. disorders and dis they often add in disordered eating. And are there books as, you can recommend? Because well. we can certainly put links to them in the show notes. Um, and, and there's we can some great people. emotional eating okay. um, books. I can give you a whole list to Yeah, if we can do that add. and maybe just put in the show notes, notes for the show notes. Yeah. Because I, 
I would like people to be informed. I think that, yeah. that's but the first But they're also welcome it, right? to email me and um, awesome. we'll, um, I'm, I'm happy to answer questions um, and lead them in a direction mm. um, that would be beneficial to them. Yeah, I think that'd be good. Yeah, cool. So we'll put a few resources on our show notes and mm. uh, if you are happy to put your email on there, um, we'll do that as well and people can uh, get hold of you. And Are you on Instagram? Or sorry, on Twitter? I'm not on Twitter, but I am on Instagram, on Instagram? and what's Facebook. Your, what's your handle? Uh, Kim's Nutrition. Kim's Nutrition. Yes. Kim's Healthy Nutrition. <laughs> Just Kim's <laughs> Nutrition. Kim's Balanced Nutrition. Kim's <laughs> Balanced Nutrition. Yeah. So Kim, Instagram, Kim's Nutrition. Kim's Nutrition. Yeah, well, we'll put all yeah. this in the show notes for as sure. well for people and and uh, hopefully it helps yeah. someone. Sure. Yeah. Kim Hoffman, thank you very much for your time. It's been uh, extremely enlightening, and I must say I've learned a lot just from this chatting. Certainly my relationship with food has become very forefront <laughs> in the way I see food just from that chat. So thank you very much for your time. And Ross, uh, thanks to you again. And from us, uh, for now, it's goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Science of Sport podcast. Follow us on Twitter at SportsSciPod and on Instagram at Science of Sport Podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.